At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. A Tuesday show for you. Ben Fox, VP of Digital Content for VEASAN, will join us. We'll discuss uh, his story that's up on VEASAN.com right now about the NBA draft and the betting angle of the number one pick and everything that happened last week. Uh, full disclosure, I'm only going to mention it because I said at the end of the show yesterday, uh, I had mentioned that David Purdom of ESPN was scheduled to join us to discuss that story. He has since told me, uh, he just messaged me before he was supposed to come on and said, look, I can't come on. I had to run it by my bosses. My bosses said, can't do it. So that's the story. I'm not surprised. It's a delicate subject for anyone that works for ESPN. Let's face it. Uh, Woj is their guy. Woj makes a lot of money, gets paid a lot of money to get these scoops and to get them right. Get them first and get them right. And he whiffed on this one. I mean, he said it was going to be Jabari Wednesday night. He said it was going to be Jabari Thursday morning. And it turns out it's Palo, and it wasn't Jabari. And what the fascinating story is, and we'll get into this with Ben, is uh, people were betting Palo, 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 even though Woj's word, at least up until this point, and I think you can make the case that that's changed now, uh, Woj's word is gospel. So when Woj is saying Jabari, 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 and people are betting Palo, 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 Something's fishy, so we'll get into all of that with Ben. It's a fascinating story, fascinating situation. Uh, there is a, There are a lot of layers to it, so we'll, we'll start to peel back some of them with Ben. Looking forward to that. And I guess we'll start with basketball. Good news and bad news here. The good news uh, for the Nets is Kyrie Irving will be back. The good news for me, I don't have to talk about Kyrie Irving for a while. Uh, I kind of, I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back. I mentioned the last few shows, talked about it with Howard Beck. Kind of wasn't falling for this whole idea that he's going to opt out and you know, turn down $30 million from the from the Nets and, and take $6 million from the Lakers and forfeit all that money. Just wasn't buying it. 
I know he's a strange guy, and you could say, you know what? Uh, and he certainly tweeted out something strange when he signed about, or he gave uh, a sh quote to Shams when he signed about, you know, anyone can be normal and it takes somebody different to lead. I mean, just be quiet. My goodness, you're, you're playing basketball for whatever it is, $37 million. Can we relax a little bit? I mean, you, you opted in, you took the money, you didn't do anything different. I mean, my God, this guy, it's like he's playing a movie character at sometimes. It's just Kyrie Irving is so hard to take. I'm happy I don't have to hear about it anymore. The fun aspect, would have, I kind of was rooting for it to blow up for the Nets, honestly. You know, Kyrie goes somewhere else. Durant asks for a trade. That would have been fun. You know, there's no juice with the Nets anyway. Nobody cares. The Nets could go 72-10 and 10 and win a title. Nobody cares about the Nets. Uh, but So I was kind of rooting for it to blow up. I don't like Kyrie. I've soured on Durant. But to be fair, you return Kyrie. I'm sure Durant will be back now. You bring back a healthy Simmons, Harris, with some role players, whether that's the you know Nick Claxton's, Bruce Browns of the world, Seth Curry. That's a that's a, a team that can win a title. They are seven to one at Bet Rivers to win a championship. Seems like they were seven to one all year last year. Whether they were winning, whether they were losing thirteen in a row, their number like never moved. Six to one, seven to seven to one. We were saying all year, hey, that that number's ridiculous. They're not. They could win a championship, but for them to win a championship, they had to go through a couple playing rounds at least. You know, at least one, if not two. And then, which they did, they had to beat Cleveland in a playing game. And then go three rounds of playoffs and then win a final. So uh, their number is still at 7-1. to one. That's, a, that's a legit number. I would need a little more to bet it. You, you still got to worry about, well, you got to worry about a lot of things with their health. Because Durant's had injuries. He's older now. Kyrie never seems to want to play basketball. Never seems to play basketball, whether it's injuries, whether it's protesting social dust justices, vaccines. Uh, somebody had a joke on Twitter. Maybe he's going to protest the wealth tax now. And sit out, you know, 70 games. It's just, it, he never seems to play basketball. Never seems to play basketball. And he gets hurt once in a while, too. I mean, he, more, more than once in a while. He just hasn't finished a lot of these seasons. So he's hurt a lot. Durant has had some injury issues. Simmons we haven't seen in, in you know, a couple years now. He's coming off a of back surgery. Uh, Harris has issues. So this team has issues, but we're not in a, an era of super teams. This isn't the 2017 Warriors. This isn't. You know, the 2013 Heat, there's not a great, unbelievable, wow, this team is the favorite. There's not that kind of team in the NBA. So the Nets are on the short list here of contenders, assuming they get everybody back. So good for the Nets. Good for me, where I don't have to discuss Kyrie Irving and Durant and all this. I mean, I know it would have been good content if Durant got traded and if this whole thing blew up. So I was kind of rooting for things to go sideways. I have to be honest, I really was. I really was. I wanted Kyrie to go somewhere else. Durant to want to get traded. Nets to be screwed because they don't have any other picks. That would have been fun. Plus, there's no juice to the NBA offseason. There's no good free agents. And, you know, it's funny. There's kind of a lull. It's the first time in a while. I mentioned uh, a couple shows ago, the NBA Finals in the bubble went to mid-October. The NBA Finals last year went to third week of July. This is the first time in a while where you wake up. You know, yesterday you wake up on a Monday. The, the Stanley Cup Finals are over. The Avalanche, obviously, are champions. NBA Finals are over. NBA drafts in the past. Free agency class with not a lot of superstars. You kind of look around and uh, it's a time to, to sort of relax. There's not a lot going on. I mean, you got Wimbledon going on. You got baseball every night. Football still good. Five six weeks away from preseason, so feels like we haven't had a breather a while in a while for sports because the whole bubble, uh, that whole 2020 where the sports shut down for three four months. That pushed everything back, and everything's just kind of been crammed ever since. So now we kind of reset things, recharge the batteries. Not a lot of sports going on. Not a lot of juice in this NBA offseason. Uh, like I said, Nets are on the short list of contenders here. 
But without this Nets thing imploding, there's not going to be a lot going on. Like if Durant, if Kyrie said, hey, I, I want out, and Durant's like, if, well, if he's going, I'm going, we could add chaos. We could have a lot of fun projecting trades. Where does Durant go? What does he go, get traded for? That could have been fun. But looks like that's not going to be the case with one caveat. It's Kyrie Irving and it's this Nets team, whether it's Harding, Kyrie, Simmons, there always seems to be some sort of drama. So things seem to have settled for now. Uh, give it two weeks, three weeks. Let's see what Kyrie's up to here in a couple of months. And uh, if he can stay out of, how about just playing basketball? How about that? How about just playing basketball? You get paid a lot of money. Uh, you get paid a lot of money. And hey, it, it's a free country. If anyone, if everyone else was as good as you, they get that much. I'm not begrudging these guys their money, but you get paid a lot of money. How about just playing the game? This was his quote, by the way, Kyrie Irving quote, normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. I've made my decision to opt in. See you in the fall. AL 11, whatever the hell that means. Uh, okay. Okay. Normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. I mean, where the hell does he come up with this stuff? Where does he come up with this stuff? What does that even mean? You opted in. You're making a lot of money. You're making, I mean, give me a break here. You're opting in. You got a $37 million player option. You never play. You never play. You, you protest. You're hurt. Give me a break. Normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. My God. Oh, they are so hard to root for. They are so hard to root for. But Kyrie's back. You would think Durant's going to be back. Woj just had a tough week because Woj tweeted early Monday afternoon, hey, Woj, is, uh, Kyrie's working his way to the Lakers. Durant's going to ask for a trade pretty much. I can find the uh, find the exact Woj quote. But Woj has had a bad week here. Woj, I don't know what's going on. He's lost his fastball. He's lost his sources. But this has been a, uh, a pretty rough week. This is the tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski. ESPN story on the Lakers' solo pursuit of a sign-and-trade deal for Kyrie Irving, with Irving's situation continuing to leave the Nets vulnerable for a Kevin Durant trade request. And that was Monday afternoon, 1.15 Eastern. And like four or five hours later, Kyrie opts in, and all of that is null and void. So uh, rough rough week for your boy Woj. Uh, before we get to Ben Fox, quickly the baseball Mets were off. Yankees, uh, a sluggish start. You figure, you know what, maybe a little bit of a hangover, emotional four-game series against the Astros, walk-offs, comebacks. They did come out a little flat after Rizzo hits the homer in the first. Montgomery wasn't sharp, but they did what they do. They they rally back, score a million runs late. The A's are awful. The A's are just an awful team, an embarrassment to the sport, really just an embarrassment to the sport. I don't know if what the answer is. Move them to Vegas, which I think is possible. Sounds like that's on the table, but they're not winning. They're not trying to win. Uh, they're basically the Indians of Major League, where they're just selling off all their players, except they're not, they're not any good. You know, the Indians at least had Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn. They had uh, Jake Taylor, who I believe was an All Star one or two times in his career, and at least you know he got some big hits for those those Indians teams in, in Major League. Obviously, Willie Mays Hayes could cover a lot of ground in center field. So those Indians teams at least had some players. These Oakland teams don't have any players. These Oakland, this Oakland team's a disaster, absolute disaster. Uh, and the Yankees, for the first time here at Bet Rivers, it's been the Dodgers as the favorite all year. The Yankees and Dodgers are both now co-favorites at plus 400 to win the World Series. So uh, Yankees are in good shape. The Dodgers, you know, dealing with injuries, with uh, the pitching, bets, you name it, they're all beat up. So, uh, And they lost to the Rockies Monday night. They're, they're not a lock to win that division. The Padres could very well 
win that division. So the Yankees plus 400 to win the whole thing. I mean, that's not that's not a great number. They could certainly win it. That's not a great number just because you got to still go through the best of five, a best of seven to get to a World Series and then beat somebody else. So that's not a, like a great bargain at a plus 400. I only mention it because it's the first time that they've kind of caught the Dodgers. You know, it's funny. They've had a better record than the Dodgers most of this year. But you look up and Dodgers are still shorter odds. But that has changed. The Yankees now plus 400, minus 1,400 to win the division. We mentioned the division is over. It's been over. And the people that worry about them, you know, blowing a division lead here's why you can't teams like oakland because the yankees play teams like oakland if you just go through this yankee schedule here it's they got some they got the a's they got the pirates they got the reds they got the orioles who are definitely much improved but they're still the orioles yeah, you get the guardians this weekend you got one make one game against the astros and i was trying to figure out why do you have one makeup game against the astros well you remember the season started a week late because of the lockout and the yankees were supposed to play the astros in that first series so instead of a whole makeup series, you can't fit a whole makeup series into one consecutive series, so to speak. You had to split it up, one game here, one game there. So they have a random one game against the Astros coming up on Thursday. Then they play the Guardians uh, this weekend. So there's just too many bad teams. You know, When you have an 11, 12-game lead here like the Yankees do, uh, and the Red Sox have played really well here. It's funny, the Red Sox are uh, having a nice season here, a nice bounce back after a terrible start, and they are still nowhere close to the Yankees. But when you have this kind of lead, like you're, like the Yankees do, there's too many bad there's too many bad teams on the schedule. It's just hard to catch up. It's just really hard to catch up. So the Yankees here are in, in really good shape. Uh, again, I, the questions become Gallo, Chapman. Gallo's just boy, giving that guy postseason at bats is really scary it sounds like chapman like i mentioned yesterday they're going to give him the ninth inning when he comes back you got a big enough lead where you can experiment i still wouldn't do it i still would not do it i i'll even go this far i wouldn't pitch him with a lead i wouldn't pitch him with a lead i don't care eighth inning ninth inning sixth inning seventh i don't care because you know we make and i'm guilty of this too we make so much of the ninth inning and i think rightfully so you put him in a three two game where you're ahead in the seventh inning he could just as easily give up three or four runs. He's wild. He doesn't throw as hard. I want no part of Chapman near a big game. No part of it with a lead. Just none at all. I totally disagree. I don't care where you are in the standings. I would not do that. I want Chapman nowhere near a big game. I just don't trust him. I think he's shot. Maybe this Achilles injury was holding him back, and there's more velocity that, than he showed early in the year, but uh, he looked awful early last year. He's had some issues uh, early this year. He's had some issues in postseason to begin with. I want no part of Chapman. I don't trust Chapman. Nobody should trust Chapman. Uh, and that's how I feel about that. And again, Gallo is another one where, boy, you're really going to go in there and give him postseason at bats. Here's what I think you have to do. I think you have to add one outfielder. And Hicks is starting to play better, but I think you need a safety net where you can play whoever's playing better out of Hicks and Gallo and then just bench the other one. Or you know, if you make it a two out of three situation where you have Hicks, you have Gallo, and say you get Benatendi. And you just play the two that are playing the best. You, you have a little competition. You have a little bit of a safety net where, hey, Gallo's 0 for his last 19, and he struck out 17 times, which doesn't sound like an unrealistic scenario, where, hey, I can plug Benatendi in. You know, you play Hicks. You can play Benatendi. You can use another lefty bat. You just need somebody. I know Hick, Gallo is, is a threat of a homer, but he is just not competitive at the plate. His at-bats are so bad, so bad, that... Uh, I think you have to address it. And even shortstop, I, I know these these kids probably aren't ready, and it's a tricky spot throwing Peraza or something into a pennant race, but Kiner Falefa just doesn't do a lot for me either. Complaining a lot about a team that's uh, that's 54-20, and 20, I understand that. As I should mention, today they play 
Oakland again. Oakland's actually pitching one of their best pitcher here. Montas got a 3-2 ERA. He won't be on the team here in a month. He's really good. He'll help a team like the Dodgers or the Giants or the Red Sox. He's actually a really good pitcher. And the Yankees are going with their sixth starter, J.P. Sears, who hasn't pitched much this year. He's only started one game. Here's the one thing about the Yankees. Knock on wood. I don't know if knocking on wood actually does anything. I don't know. Where did knocking on wood even come from? The Yankees haven't had any, any injuries. They run out the f same five starting pitchers every five days. Their, their lineup's the same. Judge has been healthy. Everyone's been healthy. Everyone's been healthy. I know Yankee fans listen to this right now. Just shut up. Stop jinxing it. But everyone's been healthy. The only reason Sears is pitching today, just to give everybody a little extra rest. At Smart, you're playing the A's. Push everyone back a day. Give everyone a little bit of a breather. Remember, it's a condensed season, a condensed schedule with the season starting late and ending at the same time. So Smart to push everyone back. Sears actually has good stuff. Uh, I, I've seen him pitch. Look, I've seen him pitch the three times he's pitched this year. So it's not like I've seen him when you guys haven't seen him. But he's seven innings, seven strikeouts, only five hits, hasn't given up a run. He's a lefty, throws mid 90s, got a good breaking ball. So I like Sears. I actually think Yankees here minus 200 is a decent bet, and the over here, the under here at eight is uh, is a pretty good bet too. That minus 200 is not that, but for the Yankees and the A's, if you get this game into a bullpen, they're going to Yankees are going to kill this Oakland bullpen. Um, and Montas threw the ball really well last time out. I think it was on Thursday. It was on draft day. Almost had a no-hitter, and the A's blew that game. So this A's team, like I said, is just a disaster uh, as the Yankees, I would think, would probably beat them the next two games. And uh, it's just it's hard to get caught here. Yankees have a 12-game lead. It's, you know, it sucks to be the Red Sox. Not that I feel bad for them. The Red Sox are 10 games over 500, and they're 12 games out. I mean, the Red Sox are not having a bad year after a bad start, 42-32. and 32, Still 12 games out of first place, so... That's how dominant the Yankees have been. That's their situation. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, just quickly, the Mets. Still a nice little cushion here over the Braves as both teams were off yesterday. Mets again play the Astros, this time in City Field. Astros did a number on them last week. Mets have a chance to get their revenge. Same pitching matchup as it was last uh, Wednesday. Carrasco against Valdez. Astros minus 125, total 8.5. Hate to say it, same same kind of philosophy I had last week when I picked the Astros in both games and both games the Astros beat them. I just don't trust this. The back end of this Mets pitching against this Houston lineup is a tough matchup, whether it's Trevor Williams or Carrasco or some of these guys. It's one thing to beat up on the Nationals and to keep their bats in order or the Pirates or the Diamondbacks. There's some bad lineups, especially in the National League. Uh, we saw this weekend the Astros are really good with Altuve and Bregman and Alvarez, who's just a dominant, lethal hitter. Might be a rough outing for Carrasco. I would look towards the Astros in this game. And uh, we, we start to, you know, set the stage here for the Mets and the Braves schedule uh, series two weeks from now. And if you're the Mets, hey, if you go into this series here in two weeks with the same lead you have now, you feel pretty good about yourself if you're able to even add on. Uh, as Scherzer pitches a rehab game tonight in Hartford. And then he should rejoin the team. Five-game lead. If you can keep it at five, you can get it to six by the time you guys play each other July 11th. Uh, that's not a, not a bad scenario because you, you get late enough in the season. Now, you still got 15 games head-to-head. -head. That's a lot of games, and there's a lot of season left. But when you start to get a five, six, seven-game lead, you put the Braves in a position where they feel like they have to beat you every time they play you. You know, they play you three games. They feel like they have to sweep you. Otherwise, you know, if you say, say you get a – let's be really generous here. You, get, you have a seven-game lead, and you play three games. Even if they beat you two out of three, it only knocks you down to six. You move on to the next series, and it just doesn't put a dent in anything. So uh, Braves play the Phillies. Morton against Wheeler will be scoreboard watching that one. Mets still minus 200 to win the division. 
Still think we're looking at a pennant race. The Braves are coming on. The Braves are a good team. It does sound like Acuna might be headed towards the IL, so uh, you get a break there. Look, the Mets aren't going to feel bad for the Braves. Mets have had plenty of injuries on their own, so uh, Scherzer, DeGrom, plenty of pitchers, plenty, uh, plenty of everything. So the the Mets are not going to sit here and uh, you know play the violin here for for the for Atlanta for their injuries. So Mets Braves, a summer of a pennant race uh, as. Look, the Yankees are not in a pennant race. The Yankees season really resumes October, which is going to put a lot of pressure on them. But the Mets, uh, a five-game lead here as they play the Astros. And, you know, as much as you feel comfortable with it, and you should, five is being up five is better than being down five. You know, you lose two or three in a row. They lose, the Atlanta wins two or three in a row, and you look up, and it's two. So kind of in that limbo. It feels like the Mets have had a five, six-game lead really since the, the first weekend against the Nationals in April. You just, I can't remember a time where the, the Mets didn't lead at least by like four or five games because they, they jumped out right away to a good start. They won their first three, and they, I think they lost their two after that. They did. They were three and two, then they got red hot. But it feels like the Mets, I mean, they have, they've been in first place the whole time. It feels like it hasn't even been close. So you wonder if the Mets, if it got to two or three, would the Mets start to tighten up? But uh, Mets in good shape. I do like the Astros tonight. And I do like the Yankees tonight, minus 200 Sears over Montas. Coming up next, Ben Fox, the NBA draft. How will it change betting? What happened? Where do we go from here? That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast Bet River Sportsbook. Let's talk a little bit about what I was mentioning yesterday with the draft story. A story that is just, boy, when you study it, it is so fascinating. And if you go to vcin.com, uh, you can check out the story that our next guest has written. It is Ben Fox, the VP of Digital Content for VEASAN. Uh, ben, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. No problem, Will. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I don't know if this is a Mike Palm-approved appearance, but I got I to gotta figure I'm doing something. He's calling me out left and right here. <laughs> I started to, I thought it was good-natured at first, and the more he does, like, is it not good-natured? I don't, I never know with him. No, um, I think it's, it's good-natured. I I'm I think I'm in more trouble than you because I called out Otani and I think secondhand not secondhand I was on follow the money last week and humans and it was humans and Paulie Howard and we were talking about judge for the MVP I was like you know people are getting sick and tired of Otani like Mike Palm doesn't think he's any good and people thought I was throwing him under the bus so you start to bring up Otani with uh with Mike Palm you fall out of favor very quickly that is a <laughs> hot button topic so I might be in more trouble than you are I'll um, remember that <laughs> yeah you uh Boy, you wrote a great piece here, and we we had you on the edge. I co-hosted with Brady Cannon on Friday. We had you on for a segment, got a lot of great feedback, and um, boy, I had a list of questions I, I still had to get to. It could have really used you for the whole hour. I mean, that's how interesting this subject is. So I guess I'll just unload some of them here, and uh, I guess I'll give you some context to start for the people that don't know. So the draft was Thursday, this past Thursday, Sunday and Monday, and, and you can fill in the blanks here with anything I'm wrong about or anything you think needs to be added. Sunday, Monday, Powell starts to get bet. He's 20 to 1. He's down to 15 to 1, 10 to 1, etc. Fast forward to Wednesday. Powell's really getting, you know, buried with money. The books are with Powell money late Wednesday night. Now, this is 
after Woj goes on, and I think this is an underrated part of it, Woj goes on ESPN Wednesday night and says, and uses the past tense and is pretty definitive that Jabari's going first. Still, a bunch of power money comes in early Thursday morning, 8.55 East Coast time in the morning. He tweets out Jabari 1, Chet 2, Palo 3. Again, pretty definitively, not 100%, but pretty definitively. Books react, but again, we see more Jabari money. So, um, and I think you tweeted out Thursday afternoon at some point. It's become very clear it is betters versus Woj. So, I know that was a long build up there. Uh, I guess my first question here is when did you know this was going to be a story regardless of who was picked? So I think probably it was an interesting storyline leading into the draft, no matter what. I just, I can't remember, and this is a credit, obviously, to the caliber of reporter he is. I don't remember a time that Woj has been wrong. So, you know, this is kind of something where as, as a reporter, you're ready, right? But it's it's kind of like, you know, the team that has a giant comeback but ultimately loses. Like, it, it's a nice story, but they still ended up losing the game. I, I just didn't think this was actually going to happen. So I had done a little work on it uh, and kind of prepping, but really it started to go into kind of full reporting mode right after that actually happened. Um, and really once Woj came on that pregame show at, I think that was, you know, 7.40 p.m. or something, and said that, you know, all of a sudden, Paolo, it looked like there was a chance he might be drafted. And then a couple minutes later saying, I think he was the front runner. Uh, and then kind of using increasingly certain knowledge. Um, and then obviously Paolo going number one. It was just, it, it, I haven't seen anything like that, especially with it shifting odds, right? So this came out, um, I think Paolo was like plus 200. And Chet was maybe plus 180 and Jabari, you know, plus 110, plus 115, somewhere in there. But they're all three pretty close. And then over the net course of the next two months, really, Chet and Jabari were still pretty similar. Last week, Chet and Jabari were both minus 115 co-favorites, right? So that's how crazy this is. And, and uh, Paolo was, you know, 10 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1 at some books. So it really wasn't until Sunday night and Monday morning that this started to shift. Um, but honestly, I didn't bet it because I didn't think Woj was going to be wrong. <laughs> and it already moved significantly on Monday. But that was kind of the point to your question. I think Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, listening to Gil, listening to Drew on his show uh, Monday morning on Beeson started to say, okay, there might be something here. Um, what kind of bet we'll move the numbers and something like this. Cause like if you bet five, 10 grand on a Packers Cowboys game, maybe it moves the number. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know too much about that, but what kind of bet are these, what, what kind of limits are these books taking? And uh, you know, what, what kind of bet Sunday are we talking about here where we started to see a move on Boncaro? So I think it's a combination like it usually is uh, of who is betting as well as how much they're betting. And those bookmakers generally know, okay, if this guy is betting this, especially a limit bet, um, and we've seen kind of some movement in the offshore market too, there's, this is probably something uh, that's more likely than not to happen. Yeah, I think if Woj didn't tweet this out, look, we didn't know it was going to be Jabari. People assumed Jabari, but it wouldn't be shocked if, if shocking if Palo went first. The fact that Woj got it wrong makes it shocking. And, and you couple that with the fact that, and this is what set alarms off for me, red flags, the people that bet Palo were almost defiant Wednesday night, Thursday, almost, you know, 
mocking Woj in a way where it looked like, you know, counting down until Paolo's going to be picked first. Woj is going to get this wrong. And not and look, you can find anything on Twitter, but these people these weren't people with 20, 30 followers. These are people that I know that I bet pretty seriously. So there started to be something where at least, and you mentioned Drew Dinsen going on, where your antenna gets raised because there was a lot of confidence with the people that bet Paolo. And if you just break it down, Paolo didn't know until a few minutes before the draft. Um, Woj didn't know. He got it wrong. Shams didn't know. So you talk to the sportsbook people. Uh, how do they think this information got out there? Yeah, so I think also it's important to note from my reporting, it seems like there's kind of three different uh, groups, you know, that that were betting Paolo. I think the first one is the Gill and Drew Dinsick, who really just said, this doesn't make sense that Paolo is that far. Like, it's, it's a three-horse race. That's how the odds opened. And now it's being bet as if it was a two-horse race, whereas really only Chet and Jabari. And so they were just strictly betting that I think there's a much better chance in the implied odds of 15 to 1 or 20 to 1 that Paolo's going number one. So that's kind of the first group. I think the second group then is that limit bet in New Jersey that I talked about. There was someone else in Colorado uh, who I spoke with who had pretty good intel. He also bet on Monday $10,000 at 5 to 1 odds. Um, on Paolo going number one. I think those were, there was a small group of people who had pretty good intel. It seems like it has to be somewhere from the, you know, Orlando team, because it seems like they were very tight-lipped, right? And so if the reporters didn't know, you know, somebody had to know someone connected to the team. It doesn't seem like there's much other way this could have gotten out. And then I think the third group of people are the people who are, you know, steam chasers, like we say. People are seeing the line movement on Bancaro and saying, okay, usually the betting markets, you know, if they're moving this way, then that means, uh, you know, that that's the way it's probably going to go. But again, you just still had Woj, and Woj is not wrong. And when he's steadfast in saying that it's Jabari one, Jabari one, I think what was interesting is that you also had a bunch of people on Thursday morning and Wednesday, and especially Thursday during the day, betting Jabari and the public betting Jabari because this is a tweet. And in the morning, Woj had said it's increasingly firm. You know, I think it was uh, Palo plus 400. And slowly those odds started to come down, which, which also is something that doesn't happen, like you said, unless someone really has steadfast, thinks that there's a great chance Palo's going number one because no one otherwise would take those odds with one side minus 10,000, one side, you know, plus 600, whatever it was. Yeah, um, I, I think that's an important point you just brought up, and I had a couple follow-ups. But the minus 10,000 part, people see that and say it's a lock. Well, when the other side is only plus 400, they're not really giving you – it's more of a one-way line, so they're not really writing – uh, a fair ticket for you, so that's I, I think misleading people when you when people are like, well, it's minus ten thousand, it's it's a lock. Well, when you look at the other side, it's not like they're giving you anywhere close to a, a fair straddle there. So uh, that was one thing. Uh, you mentioned somebody in the Orlando camp giving this. How many people just you know? Look, you've been around sports, you cover sports, you're a fan of sports. I asked Lombardi this, and he said the answer was three. How many people would know who this pick was in your mind if you had to throw out a number? Because Lombardi said three, owner, GM, somebody else. 
my my response to him was, yeah, that's if you're picking fifth or sixth and you don't want the people ahead of you to know. You don't want the people behind you to leapfrog you. You got to keep that tice to the vest. With one, nobody can steal your pick, so maybe that number's bigger. If you had to throw out a number in terms of how many people uh, have this pick, what, what would you put that number at? It's a good question. Uh, I would candidly say I have no idea. I would imagine it's it's single digits. Um, I don't. I would think it's more than three. Um, but I would imagine it's probably you know single to to low double digits. Right. But I'm just guessing. I, I think the biggest thing, like you said, and the other part that's also kind of fascinating, and I don't know that we'll ever really know, is that they have the number one pick, right? And so. I guess there was some theory that maybe if they liked, uh, if they knew that the Rockets liked Jabari and they could get the Rockets to move up to one, move back to three because, and still get Palo. So basically get some assets and still get the guy at, you know, three, they would have gotten at one if OKC is taking Chet Holmgren at two, no matter what. To me, that's the only reason you would have this much secrecy because like you said, it's the first pick. Nobody can take you, you get to pick whoever you want. That's the, the joy of the number one pick. So there's not a lot of point otherwise to the secrecy other than, I guess, making it certainly a more interesting draft for ESPN at the top. But they're not going to do that throughout the whole process unless there's really a reason. So that's the only kind of reason I can think of with that much secrecy. But to your point, it's not a big number, certainly, I wouldn't think of people who had that information. Um, and it seems like a very, very small amount of people knew something on Monday. And my guess is that that somehow spread on Wednesday, Wednesday night, when we first saw Paolo become the favorite, really overnight into Thursday. Um, but that, I think, is kind of the first time there was that more public steam as well on him. Were people alarmed, not by the fact that it got out, because I think you mentioned it's not that unusual for something like this to get out. The Jaguars with Walker, that got out. Things get out, especially when you have the number one pick. Like you said, you don't have to pump fake anybody. There's You're at the free throw line. You're not shooting a three-pointer. You don't have to pump fake anybody. But I think what's interesting, not the fact that it, did, that it got out, who it got out to, and not only who it didn't, but Woj ends up with bad information, and the better seemingly have the good information. Uh, sort of take that any way you want to go and, and how the betters got the good info and nobody else got any info, if not bad info. Yeah, it's uh, the million-dollar question. Um, you know, I think that there are certain betters who have a uh, history of getting this type of information, um, and there's, you know, various ways of how they're going to get that information. Uh, I think that potentially that's maybe some of how it happened. It also, you know, we just don't know. It could have been some people taking an educated guess on Monday and really, really knowing on Wednesday and Woj just getting, you know, having bad information. Um, it doesn't seem like the magic, especially you know, like you said, picking number one, you think by Wednesday and Thursday they would know who they were picking. Um, but that's, I think, why that Woj tweet is so interesting on Thursday morning is that either they didn't know who they were picking, which seems unlikely, or they were giving, you know, Woj had bad information from someone because, you know, he as he tweeted out, quote, increasingly firm, 
isn't saying it's a definite thing, but that's a, a way a reporter is going to couch it a little bit to say, hey, I wasn't completely wrong. I said it's increasingly firm, but that's him saying my best information is just telling everyone, chill, Jabari's still going number one. So, you know, I, I don't really know exactly how that information uh, got from, you know, likely somewhere in the Magic organization to somewhere in the betting market. Uh, I have some theories, but um, but nothing tangible uh, that I can report out basically yet. Yeah, that was my next question. And, and just a couple quick ones before we get you out of here. How much have you heard off the record that you can't report? How much in terms of theories flying around? How much have you heard in terms of that? Uh, I've heard a, I've heard some things off the record and some things that I only have one source on, so I can't report those uh, yet. I mean, I think I can pretty definitively say that we can put to bed all of the conspiracy theories or Woj was in on it or Woj is betting or all, all of these things that, you know, you hear on Twitter, there's no upside. For Woj, right? He's a reporter, and him and Shefty, uh, they live on credibility. So yeah. no matter what he's going to make on a theoretical bet that he never would do, there's no way it's going to repair the image of getting something like that. You know, this is like NFL free agency, right? For Schefter, this is something you just he doesn't get wrong. So the reputational hit is not going to make up any financial gain for any possible deals. So I think that was the one that, you know, people can <laughs> put to bed, but that was certainly one I heard a lot. And uh, some people DMing about that as a possible theory. And, you know, I think that falls more under the, when a bet doesn't go your way in an actual game, you know, and there's a penalty called or something, people go, oh, it was fixed. like it's not fixed. It just went against you. It's just bad luck. Um, and I think in this case, you know, Woj just got one wrong, which is, like I said, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the first time that I remember um, on a tweet like that. Yeah. I mean, it'd be the equivalent of an NFL ref, like throwing a game for a hundred bucks. Like you just wouldn't do it. It wouldn't make any sense. There's just no, like you said, there's no upside to it. And I have some theories. I know you have some theories, like not to get into them. That's not one of them. So the, the Woj part is not one of them. But again, I think we just come back to the bottom line where people are betting a certain side where there's like Thomas Gable was on Lombardi line and you talked to him for this story and he said it well. People were betting when you look at the timeline of the information that was available and what they were betting when they were betting it. There was no reason to be making these bets other than they knew something. Exactly. And it seems especially on Thursday when the odds were that high. And you're still getting bets on Paolo at that at a number that wouldn't really return value uh, based on the odds for Jabari. That's that's I think the point where I was like, okay, there's there's definitely something here. Uh, and I think the you know the the bigger story is the media's role kind of in sports betting odds and Woj and Schefter and the power that they have as well. But I think it's just in this world of legaliz legalized sports betting that we have now. You know, you just if you're a reporter anywhere, you need to know what the odds are and you need to know how they're moving. And that doesn't mean your reporting's gonna be wrong necessarily, but it just means it's a, it's another data point you probably need to examine because it means 
a lot more than it used to a couple of years ago when there are fewer and fewer states. You know, there's just much more money and much more data publicly available on which way, you know, the public and sharps are betting a certain market. And, you know, it's just a very different game when you're dealing with an event-based market like the NFL draft or NBA draft or the Oscars than you are on the field, right? Uh, on the field, that may portend, okay, someone knows that Ben Roethlisberger is out earlier than perhaps a reporter does. That's not going to tell you anything about the outcome of the game. They still have to play the game with an event-based you know, uh, market. That is the game. <laughs> you know? If you know Paolo's going number one, there's nothing else that, that can happen. You, you kind of have the secret sauce. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what this means going forward, but it was just a, a crazy couple of days, certainly a wild Thursday, uh, a long day, but a, a good day reporting it out and hopefully everyone uh, enjoyed the story. Yeah, you did a great job with it. Again, vcin.com, you can check out the article. Uh, just quickly here, the last one, and I think you started to, started to hit on it. What this means going forward, What is it less options to bet, lower limits, all of the above? What do you think this means uh, going forward here for, for drafting and anything info-based? I don't think it'll change anything right now. Um, I think it probably just is a reminder that a lot of times the smart money, you know, uh, is onto something and just that, you know, Woj and Schefter are not infallible, right? And so everyone is following, you know, Twitter and TweetDeck. The books have TweetDeck up all the time they are going to move on the same information that Woj and Schefter, you know, are sending out. But it's just important to remember that they're not going to be right 100% of the time. It's going to be probably pretty close to that. They're exceptionally good at their jobs. But I think it's just important as well and important for the public betters too, because I think there are a lot of people that were burned on Thursday betting Jabari probably at bigger numbers than were even available before Thursday after that Woj tweet and just thinking like, okay, it's only minus 400, but Woj said this is happening, so let me put some money down on it. This is a lock. So I, I think that's probably the bigger, you know, the bigger thing for the public is just remember, this is another, another data point, but just like a trade going through or something else, it doesn't mean it's 100% right. So don't stake your entire bankroll off of a tweet. Ben Fox, appreciate the time, man. Let everyone know where they can find your work. Yeah, just on vcin.com. Uh, follow us on at vcin live. And then I'm at bfox22 on Twitter. Ben, thanks for coming on. Great great job on the piece. Great reporting. Uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. We'll have to get the approval, obviously, of Mike Palm. But uh, hopefully we can do it again here down the road. Sounds good, man. Anytime. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Ben Fox. Enjoyed that conversation. We'll be back tomorrow. This, uh, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, download. I keep forgetting to remind you. I actually don't keep forgetting to remind you. You guys keep forgetting to leave the reviews, not, not to get hostile with my audience here, but uh, Apple, Spotify, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Much appreciated. See you tomorrow. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.